On episode 78 of the new 8 Days a Geek podcast, Pokemon Go gets better, Fox gets animated, and Palm's new secondary phone. Stay tuned. to another episode of the new eight days a geek podcast i'm your host jesse miller and joining me as always the man who probably doesn't warrant a special introduction for each of these episodes but as a good host i try to give it to him anyway yet every once in a while i run out of things to say sean scott that was lazy i had nothing we didn't talk we're both i guess we're both so tired that we just we might have said 50 words to each other before this all started <laughs> lazy you have nothing lazy to say writing to nothing to say to you so let's talk for two hours uh (laughs) so first thing get this out of my way the blurbs um well i guess first of all we'll apologize for not putting out a episode last two weeks uh i i took a um i took a small angry badger in the shape of a four-year-old girl to disneyland and um yeah, I I need a vacation from vacation. We'll put it that way. Yeah. But uh, other than that, I got to meet some Disney uh, Disney princesses and um, probably lost a couple pounds in sweat because Florida is hot. <sighs> All right, so blurbs, Sean, you are. Uh, you're responsible for this first one. I'll leave it to you yeah. to pick a uh, a sad one to just start it. Just kick it off well, with the sad the sad news. Just uh yeah, and it's it's kind of old news. Because like yeah. you said, we haven't uh, recorded in a few weeks, but uh, I still felt it was worth noting that uh, you know Walking Dead star, uh, the actor who played the character of Herschel in The Walking Dead, Scott Wilson, passed away at the age of seventy six after a a fight with cancer. Uh, so yeah, sad news, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, we always try to note the passing of anybody, you know, relevant in, in our little world. So and you and I actually saw him, if you remember up in uh, Chicago at wizard world, uh, I don't think we went to the panel or anything, but we did see him out on the floor when he was interacting with the fans and everything. So he's a nice guy. He was, uh, I, I you know, I've seen him talk several times on, uh, the talking dead and things like that. So, uh, you know. All, right. all the, all the, what I don't know what we normally say, you know, when we uh, when we talk about the the, the passing of, of people. So, you know, all that condolences and jazz. Yep. Also, I didn't put it in the show notes, but I just remembered that uh, Paul Allen passed away. Um, it was Paul Allen ten days ago? I guess Paul Allen is basically one of the main reasons that personal computing exists today. Oh, okay. Um, he is He was the guy who woke up Bill Gates in the middle of the night slapping him with a magazine saying you have to drop out of college. We need to write programming language for this new computer. Right? We need to write basic. 
And, um, you know, so he's one of the co-founders of Microsoft. And Yeah, that sounded familiar. Okay. <clears throat> All right. What a Debbie Downer. Well, what do you got for the blurbs? I got the fact that now you can turn it on. A long time ago, I think uh, during the show, I, I mentioned the fact that it would be nice if the Amazon Echo would allow you to set times of the day where she just didn't blurt out okay every time you ask her to do something, such as one o'clock in the morning when I turn on the kitchen light and then I forget to turn it off, so I ask her to do it. And I'm like, you know, Echo, turn off the kitchen light. Okay. <laughs> just echoes through the damn house. Um, you know, so now uh, Amazon has released Whisper Mode. Which allows you to turn, uh, you just say, Echo, turn on whisper, whisper mode. And it'll say, you know, okay, blah, blah, blah. And then when you whisper at your Echo, she will whisper back. It tones the volume down, and she actually uses sounds, a whispering voice to talk to you. That sounds sexy. <laughs> yeah. uh, let, me see, let me see if I could do it on mine. Uh, I've got one, like, right in front of my face. Let me turn it max volume. I'll move my microphone up here. Um, and anyone who has one of these, I'm sorry, but I'm going to be activating yours too. So you <laughs> might want to watch that. Um, so let's go. Turn on whisper mode. Sure. Whispered responses is now on. Thank you. You're welcome. Let's go. Turn on office lamp. Whoa. I think you just whispered to me. From now on, when you whisper, I will whisper back. You can always say turn off whisper mode. Now. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. You bet. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> this is great. I mean, it's it can be creepy. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's really cool. And, and the thing is, she only does it when you whisper. So um, I'm going to try and take these actual keywords out of here later on so I don't kill everybody with an, uh, an echo. Um, Alexa, turn off office lamp. Okay. And see, she just responded normally. Thank you. Um, she just responds normally to that. And, but then again, like I said, if I whisper, okay, she'll, she'll whisper back to me. It's really cool. So, uh, like I said, I mean, it's kind of, for some people, this might seem gimmicky, but if you have, uh, if you don't live alone, this is going to, this is going to save some people a lot of aggravation. So I might just whisper to whisper sweet nothings to her just because, I mean, you know, like, thank you. You bet. I know that was great. Perfect response, too. <laughs> All right. So, on to gaming news. Uh, Pokemon Go has finally gotten a what I would consider a killer feature, really, truly. Uh, it should have pretty been... Major, pretty important update. Yeah, it should have been there from the beginning, in my mind. But, hey, I'll take it better late than never. So... One of the things you've never really 
been able to do with po- I mean it's a battery sucker Pokemon Go in general because you have to have the app open and you know screen active and they had the little mode where you could turn it upside down and it shuts your screen off or dims it yeah. and saves battery but the app always had to be open and honestly the app is so buggy all the time that even if you leave it open most of the times it force closes out of itself so if you're taking a walk, you leave it open, turn your phone upside down, and put it in your pocket. Number one, your phone's going to get hot. Number two, the battery's going to drain. And number three, the app may force close 10 minutes into your walk, and then you don't get credit for crap. Uh, for steps, you need you need steps to get candy from your buddy, to hatch eggs, to do all this different stuff. And it was just really difficult to get it if you weren't actively playing the game while you were walking around. Well, the there's a new feature coming called Adventure Sync. Uh, it says it'll be available soon, quote unquote soon. So we don't have an actual date, uh, but it will basically allow the app to sync with Google Fit and iOS HealthKit to basically take the steps you have in those and put them into the game. So basically, Pokemon Go will be counting your steps even if the app is not in the foreground and running. So that that will be phenomenal. Because I walk a lot during my day. I take a crap load of steps. But I turn on Pokemon Go for maybe 10-15 minutes a day. So it doesn't get any of those. And I'm sitting down, typically, when I'm playing it. So it doesn't get any of those steps. So hatching eggs for me is just a, just a crap show. It's the worst. But now, damn it. Go hatch me some eggs. I mean, I still feel like it's way too much trouble. I mean, like, I don't, uh, you know, like Google Fit and Health Kit. Basically, it's like, hey, we're not going to count your steps in this app. We're going to count your steps in this app over here that you have to have Well, running, you know. Well, no, so. see, the thing is, you don't have to have those two apps running. Those are background apps built into the operating system. So they don't, um, if you tell Google Fit to track your steps, it'll just use your phone as a pedometer, and it'll just track your steps. You never have to touch it. And then what Pokemon Go can do is it can pull that data from Google Fit automatically in the background and just have those steps added to it. Uh. Same thing with Apple. Like, while I'm walking, my Apple Watch is counting my steps and logging it in um, HealthKit. I don't have to do anything. And now Pokemon Go, when I open it, will have those steps logged in there. So it it requires no no effort on your part, Sean, which I know you like. Uh, it requires me to at least obtain or turn on this Google Fit. It's probably already on your phone. Um, it's a standard Android app. And I think uh, you don't necessarily have to turn it on. You just have to tell it it's okay to do it. Well, let's see. It's like four buttons. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and you have a Samsung phone, so I know there's a Samsung Health app. Don't confuse that with Google Fit. Yeah. So Samsung may it. have taken Google Fit off of the phone, and you just have to put it back. Oh, see? Hey, you're adding more effort. That's Samsung's fault, not mine. Yeah, I don't see either one of them on here. Okay, so just go to the Play Store and download Google Fit. Come on, Sean, it's not hard. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. At least not right now. 
Damn it, Sean. That's way too much effort. <laughs> way too many steps. <laughs> All right. So next we Pokemon have... Pokemon Go is always trying to get me to do stuff. I know. They're even trying to get you to work out your fingers, Sean. Don't just be a lump on the couch. Screw you, Niantic. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. All right. So Fallout 76, the beta already went live for Xbox One. Uh, they are scheduling times for the beta to be active, for the servers to be on. So make sure you either follow one of Bethesda's Fallout accounts or Bethesda's account itself. Or, you know, that'll get you 100% up-to-date times. Or the article in the show notes actually has a list of beta times that are available. Uh, the first PlayStation 4 and PC beta times are going to be coming up. Uh, this episode will be going live on the 29th, and the first PC beta times and PC, PS4 beta times are on the 30th, so that's Tuesday. Um, let's see here. Looks like um, U.S. Eastern time of 7 p.m. to 11 p.m., um, then you got, uh, you got the GMT for the UK and that's 3 a.m. to 7 a.m. on October 31st, international dateline. Gotta love that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, they have, they have probably one, two, three, four, five, six days worth of beta times listed in this article from GameSpot. So check out the article and see if you're uh, available to play any of those times. I, I got a little bit of play time in, uh, an hour or so on the very first beta. Um, we'll see. Judgment reserved. You don't sound enthused. Yeah, judgment. <clears throat> I didn't get a lot of time in because it was the first one and it was, you know, a lot of people, just a lot of people. So sometimes I got kicked off and stuff like that, but that's what this is for. Um, what did they call it? It was break it early. I can't remember what they said beta stood for. But it's like break it early, test something. But it makes sense because, you know, this is the first time Bethesda has made a Fallout game that's multiplayer. So you, you want to get as many people on in a small amount of time as possible so you can really try to stress test the servers. So there's another uh, day coming up tomorrow as Xbox One only. That's uh, October 28th. So I'm going to kick into that one for a couple hours, I think. Just really go to town on it. All right. I have to tell you something, Trevor. It's time for TV news. Sean, you want to talk about some TV? I do. So CBS Access uh, previously announced, and I don't believe we ever talked about it, uh, that they were going to reboot The Twilight Zone. So I was, I'm was i a big fan of The Twilight Zone. I mean, I grew up watching that show. Uh, they still run a marathon of it every year. Um, I believe on like New Year's Day, maybe, on the Sci-Fi Channel. But uh, uh, regardless of whether we talked about it previously or not, they recently announced casting of quite possibly uh, the most famous episode of The Twilight Zone of all time, and that is Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. There's something on the wing. Some right. It's the thing. 
<laughs> There's the it's the episode that starred William Shatner as a businessman who sees a gremlin on the wing of an airliner, uh, but can't get anyone else on the flight to believe him. Uh, so uh, that episode, in my opinion, is you know probably the most famous Twilight Zone episode of all time, and I believe they remade it. Uh, uh, when they did Twilight Zone, the movie, I believe John Lithgow yeah. played the role. Uh, and they also mentioned in this article from The Hollywood Reporter that The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror also uh, remade it in 1993, except it was Bart on the bus. Uh, and I, I, I distinctly remember that. That was a really good remake as well. So uh, in this reboot of The Twilight Zone, which will be um, hosted by – I think it was Jordan Peele, I believe they said it was. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Jordan Peele is going to be the the host of the new Twilight Zone, and this episode will be called Nightmare at 30,000 Feet, and they've cast uh, Adam Scott, who most recently was in the TV show um, – Ghosted. Ghosted that you and I uh, enjoyed on Fox but was canceled and is probably most well known for being on Parks and Recreation. Uh, he has been cast. Now, they they haven't specifically said who he's playing, but you have to imagine that he is the, the guy, right? I mean, uh, you have to imagine he is the William Shatner, the John Lithgow role. So uh, I, I think that's fantastic. I, I really like Adam Scott uh, in the comedic stuff that we've seen him in, and uh, this should be just as entertaining. So uh, I, I think this is a, a really cool uh, idea, and it's a, it's a show that makes me want to you know take a look at cbs all access what you know me and, yeah i know you know me and my well just wait until we get to the end of the tv segment okay <laughs> just wait because once we get there then we'll really be talking about possibly looking into cbs all access damn you cbs i know they're putting on a good show so far wow i'm impressed all right yeah, I I would totally. I love I love Adam Scott just as an actor. I think he's I think he's hilarious. He's got really a really interesting little wormy almost demeanor in most of his roles. And I think it's it's kind of endearing, you know? It's weird. I like it. Uh right. and Jordan Peele is freaking awesome. So it's it's going to be interesting. I I was I wouldn't say a fan of the original Twilight Zone. But I definitely would watch it, and I I like the movie quite a bit. Um, so I'm totally into this. Oh man, I watched the TV show all the time when I was a kid, uh, and like I said, I still watch it uh, occasionally when it when they show the marathon on like New Year's Day. It, I I don't I mean I've always been a fan of sci-fi, and that's like you know classic, and 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 it's a little more thriller horror type of stuff. But like I don't know, I was always fascinated with just like the the twists, you know, uh, in, in, in most of the episodes. So, and Shatner was in more than just that one. You know, he was in a couple different episodes, which were, uh, all really good. Awesome. So let's see the next from CBS. We'll move on to Fox. Uh, and Fox has decided to get back in the animation game. You know, uh, they, uh, they've always been, Famous for the Simpsons and Family Guy, and they're still running Bob's Burgers as well. And uh, they have uh, tapped Amy Poehler to uh, head a new animated comedy series in the works, and it's uh, it's gonna it's gonna be another you know animated family comedy, you know what you would expect on Fox, I guess at this point. Nothing uh, nothing 
I don't know, over the line or out of the box, I guess, if you will. Uh, it's going to be called Duncanville. The show will center on Duncan, a spectacularly average 15-year-old boy, his family and friends. Polar voices two characters, Duncan, as well as a high-strung mom, Annie, who is constantly trying to prevent her son from ruining his life. Uh, it should pre- premiere on Fox sometime during the 2019 to 2020 season. And uh, it's going to be uh, Amy Poehler, uh, Mike and Julie Scully, who are from The Simpsons, in fact. So uh, they're they're the writers and creators behind the show. And additional voices be- uh, besides Amy Poehler will be Rashida Jones, who also co-starred with her on um, Parks and Recreation, as well as Wiz Khalifa. So uh, – you know, I mean, if they put it on Sunday night in the middle of the or as part of the animated block that they already have, I will obviously tune into it just to see how well it, you know, how well they did. I like Amy Poehler. I really enjoyed uh, Parks and Recreation. So I, it does sound like it's nothing. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's nothing very different. plain sounding. Right. It It, it is. It is. So. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give anything a chance, especially, you know, an animated comedy series like that on primetime, if it, especially if they throw it in with The Simpsons and Family Guy and all that stuff. So It kind of just sounds like we're just going to be poking fun at helicopter parents for the whole show, you know? Possibly, possibly. Uh, I'm not entirely know. sure, you know, because they don't give you a whole lot of details, so. Okay. And Fox has had some, you know, it's not like every one of their animated series is a hit. You know what I mean? Uh, They've had at least one or two that they've debuted. I can't remember the name of it. There was, well, what was it called? Border Town they had. They tried Border Town. Uh, I think that was on Fox. And they had that weird animated, half animated, half live action show, Zorn. Uh, So, you know, not everything is a hit. But we'll see. Amy Poehler is pretty talented, in my opinion. So... Yeah, hey, give it a chance, I guess. All right, so from Fox, we're going to move on to Netflix, and they announced... Uh, they recently announced some some fairly sad news for fans of uh, one of their most popular original programs. Uh, probably the program that almost, like, launched their original programming. Kind of, yeah. Don't it's one it was one of the first right like i don't remember what the very first like netflix original was but this had to have been you know at the very beginning and if if it wasn't one of the first it was definitely like the most popular when it debuted you know uh and and it really set the stage for future netflix originals and uh, and the show we're referencing here is orange is the new black uh and netflix recently announced that the show will come to an end after its upcoming seventh season so uh again sad news for fans of the show i've watched every season of it i think it's a it's a fantastic show it's really well done uh super entertaining um but as it's gone on, you know, it's probably it's seven seven seasons is is good. You know what I mean? I'd I'd especially for a streaming show like that. I I I don't think there's a whole lot of go ahead. Maybe it's because streaming series haven't necessarily been around for that long. But uh, you know, at this point, I think seven seasons is a pretty good run for the show. Um, you know, it's garnered a lot of Emmy nominations and things like that over the years. They talk about in this deadline article. Um, 
So did you ever watch this show? I have not. It just Never doesn't seem it. like it's something I'm really into. Ah, no, it was. I, I, I'm sure I felt the same way when you know I sat down to watch it the very first time. You know, it's a weird show about women in prison, but uh, no, it is. It's funny. It's it's dramatic. It's really really cool show. So if you ever get a chance, I would absolutely recommend giving it a try, especially now because you'll have like the whole thing right in front of you. You know what I mean? Okay. I do like binge watching. Definitely a show. It's like, that's another thing. It's like one of the first shows that like invented binge watching. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean that thinking back, I, I think it was like one of Netflix's first real, it, what, I don't know if it was their first TV show, but it was pretty close. Yeah, yeah, I think it had to have been. I mean, I'm sure there were there might have been originals before that that you know we can't think of or weren't aware of or something like that. But I do think it was one of the very first ones. So, all right. So I did a Google search for Netflix first original series, and House of Cards came up. House of Cards. So okay. that's yeah. That must be. That was the and first. and House of Cards was incredibly popular. I watched House of Cards as well. It was a great show. Um, but uh, I'm sure when Orange is the New Black came out, it immediately surpassed it in popularity. You know, it was a it was a phenomenon, if you will. Awesome. All right, so let's move from Netflix to well, the Netflix not really moving from Netflix, but staying with Netflix, but adding the BBC. Because Netflix and the BBC have teamed up, and this is also something that there have been rumors and 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 the project's been in the works for a while, and I don't think we've talked about it before. But Netflix and the BBC have teamed up with um, the Sherlock creators, Stephen Moffat and Mark Gattis, who we all know have also worked together on Doctor Who in the past as well. Um, they have tapped the two of them to create a three-part feature-length miniseries for uh, inspired by the story of Dracula. And I mean, I enjoy I enjoy Doctor Who, uh, although some of the episodes that Mark Gaddis wrote for Doctor Who weren't the greatest. Um, but Sherlock was fantastic. That show was amazing. So, and I, I'm not, you know me, I'm not a big horror fan or whatnot, but I think just three episodes you know is this is almost like sherlock you know but it's three like 90 minute episodes is what they're saying so um you know but i think i could at least give the first one a chance and see how it goes you know what i mean uh i think these two deserve that uh credit so and hopefully they will do it you know there's not a lot of information either uh so it says it will begin in Transylvania in 1897, uh, where he's drawing up plans against Victorian London and be warned the dead travel fast. So I, it, other than that, is this going to be just like the classic traditional Dracula or are these two going to do something interesting with it? You know how they turned Sherlock into a modern day story as opposed to telling it in Victorian England, you know? Which this would basically be the same thing. Are they going to start it in 1897, but because he's a vampire, you know, tell the story really taking place in modern day or something like that? 
if there's a a twist or some kind of you know edge to the story like that, then I think I'd be more likely to tune in. What do you think? I would from these two guys. I think I would tune in regardless. But uh, it it sounds like I'm I'm reading through here. Uh, let's see here. GSE Charlotte Moore. Uh, I think that was a quote. Uh, there's a quote in here, and I can't I can't seem to find it now. But they uh, ah here we go. Paris Wagner, uh, controller of BBC Drama, said Stephen and Mark's ingenious vision for Dracula is as clever as it is chilling. Right. So it sounds like. There's something There's gotta be clever something. going on. Yeah, right. clever and chilling. <laughs> Which so to me says there's got to be some kind of a little thing. You right, know? and you know how Moffat and Gaddis are in general about mm-hmm. just especially with Doctor Who and, and Sherlock. Like, they will say one thing and do another, and, you know, they're like, it's like the Doctor. Like, the, the Doctor always lies, just like they do, you know? <laughs> yeah, so I, I would totally, I totally can't wait for this. It's going to be awesome. So let's see. I don't know if it specifically gave like a debut time or anything like that. I'm scrolling through the article, but I don't necessarily see anything here. So we'll just have to keep an ear open and uh, we'll let you know. But uh, since it's Netflix and the BBC, you know, I can I would expect it not to be. Well, I don't know, because the BBC likes to take, you know, years off in between series and things like that. But Netflix likes to pump that stuff out. So hopefully it'll be a a nice medium and we'll have this in the next year or so, at least the first installment maybe. Yeah, hopefully. All right, let's move on to the final story. Back around to CBS All Access and the most exciting television news that I think I have heard in a long time. So CBS Access, or uh, CBS All Access rather, uh, has tapped... The uh, Rick and Morty executive producer and writer, uh, Emmy Award-winning comedy writer, um, what's his name here? Mike McMahon, longtime Star Trek fan, to head an animated Star Trek series on their streaming platform. It will be called Star Trek Lower Decks and will focus on support crew serving on one of Starfleet's least important ships. <laughs> uh, and it will be CBS All Access's first original animated series. So this sounds absolutely fantastic to me. Uh, it sounds like an animated version of what I thought I was going to get when Fox came out with the Orville last year, which by no means is a bad show. Uh, it just isn't as stupid funny as I had thought it was going to be. And the fact that this is not only Star Trek, but comes from a guy who had a hand in making Rick and Morty what it is. Uh, and it just sounds like a hilarious concept. Um, one of the quotes in the, let me find it here in the article. Um, it says here, and the the quote actually comes from uh, Aaron Bears, 
who brought uh, McMahon to the project and will serve as co-executive producer, he said, Mike won our hearts with this first sentence. I want to I want to do a show about the people who put the yellow cartridge in the food replicator so a banana can come out the other end. <laughs> so like just that. Yeah, you're right. Just that statement that just sounds that sounds hilarious, you know. Um, and, uh, apparently this guy in, it says in 2011, McMahon started a Twitter account where he posted episode plots to a fake season of Star Trek, the next generation It became such a hit that Simon and Schuster hired him to write a reader's guide to fic- to a fictitious eighth season of Star Trek, the next generation titled Star Trek, the next generation warped an engaging guide to the never aired eighth season. Uh, so apparently this guy, you know, he's been a Star Trek fan his entire life. Uh, let's see. It, it did say earlier in the article that his cat. Its name is Riker. Um, you know, uh, it, they sound like they've picked like the absolute perfect guy to do this show. I, I could not be more excited for a show that is on a platform that I have absolutely no intention of of subscribing to. However, some news like this makes me really rethink that decision. And you add this to the fact that they already have a Star Trek series. We've already mentioned the fact that they're rebooting the Twilight Zone. And I I have to imagine that there's at least something else I'm forgetting about that we've already discussed at least once in a previous podcast where I said, well, they'd have to bring more content if I wanted to you know, subscribe. Uh, uh, so I'm sure there's something else out there that we're not even thinking about right now that I might be interested in. So I think uh, I think they're doing a really good job of trying to hook me, dude. Too bad you're not a student. You get a 25% discount. <clears throat> I'm trying to find a price on it. Here we go. Uh, premium viewing. Uh, free free from commercial interruption for $10 a month. <sighs> 10 bucks a month. Limited commercials plan. Um, see, shows with limited commercial interruptions for $6 a month. Hmm. I just I wonder how limited the limited commercials are. You know, if six dollars a month and the limited commercials are even better than you know Hulu, mm-hmm. I would be interested in that. And Ten dollars a month. I don't know if I would do that or not. You can save fifteen percent if you sign up for an annual plan. Hmm. Uh, both both uh, of them have an annual version. You're basically paying for ten months instead of twelve. So the annual limited commercial is 60, the annual commercial free is 100. They're doing a good job, man. Doing a good job. Yeah, uh, 6 bucks a month. Uh, all these little micro things really piss me off because you just you don't know how many little 6-month things you have coming out of your credit card. Yeah, they add up. I need one service to rule them all and don't tell me it's cable because cable sucks nuts. No, I mean, you're not going to get any of this stuff as streaming exclusive, but yeah, you're right. But like, how would you, you know, how would you get the rights to create like a streaming service aggregator? Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's just not going to, it's not going to fly. But no. I think we've said, I've said it before. That's, that's the same kind of thing that I would want. You know, it's, it, it, they're breaking these things out. Uh, we'll talk about it a little more actually in the um, movie section later. So. Okay. Yeah, this sounds fantastic. I once this is out, we'll see. Maybe I'll have to get CBS All Access for a little while, but it sounds awesome. So, do you remember there was a cartoon at one point that was um, 
Star Wars. And it was like this. It was kind of a comedy uh, animated. No. I mean, I, there's been a lot of Star Wars cartoons, but Let's see if I can find it. It was. I don't recall there being like a Star Wars Detours. I think is what mm. it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Star Wars Detours. No, it reminds me of there was like a series of books uh, when I was young, like when Star Trek: The Next Generation was on television. There was a series of books. I believe they were called like Star Wrecked or something like that, and they were just like slapstick comedy satires of of Star Trek: The Next Generation. And they were they were uh, pretty amusing. Wow. Listen to some of these voices that were in Star Star Wars Detours. They actually had um, like they produced some of these, but they never aired um so seth green d bradley baker anthony daniels ahmed best billy d williams seth mcfarlane this is crazy well i mean seth mcfarlane and seth green so you've got family guy and robot chicken both of which have done their own star wars specials so uh you know and quite a bit of them i mean family guy did like a feature length you know, Star Wars remake, essentially. And uh, Robot Chicken did the same thing, but not in feature length, you know, of course, because it's stop animation. So, uh, but they've both had like, you know, but it, it was like an extended special of Robot Chicken. So, they, you know, obviously, I don't know when this stuff took place, but it sounds like maybe, you know, those guys got involved with this, but this project didn't really go anywhere. And so they managed to get the rights to do it themselves, you know. And I believe in, because Seth Green is also on Family Guy, so he also did voices in the Family Guy Star Wars specials. And they make fun of the fact that, like, Robot Chicken actually did it first. You know, like, they ridicule one another's shows in in the Family Guy special. Uh, so, you know, it's clearly something those two have been interested in for a while. Yeah. Hmm. All righty. <clears throat> so, tech news. Let's see here. Twitter has a little bit of a problem. And it's it's kind of a known problem, but the problem is that one person can have ungodly amounts of accounts in their name basically. They could be named different things, they could be registered. They just have to register them with a new email address and frankly email addresses are infinite. Yeah, infinite. And I mean, you know, it's basically like the passwords of old. You just add a number at the end, you know, and just increment the number every time. So being that they're free and infinite, it's easy to get as many Twitter accounts as you want. And because of that, Twitter um, has always had a problem with a troll, you know, gets caught, gets banned. They just create a new account and keep on trolling. The king of all the trolls, the king troll himself, Alex Jones... King Troll. King Troll. Um, Gay frogs! Gay frogs! <laughs> uh, had what has been discovered to be 18 linked accounts to InfoWars. So we know, um, as we talked about in the last uh, a couple episodes ago, I believe, InfoWars, the main Twitter account, had been uh, pretty much knocked off the face of Twitter. Because, I mean, he is the king troll, really, truly. Uh, and Twitter went through and uh, actually found 18 additional accounts 
that were associated with Alex Jones and InfoWars that were still sharing InfoWars uh, content and then proceeded to kick the living hell off of or out of them and off of Twitter. So, yay. That's that's exciting. That's good news. Um how how uh, this article this this story is not so much about them kicking 18 of his accounts off because you figure they're going to do that, but it's more about I want to get your opinion on how do you fix this problem? Do you think? Oh, I have no idea. I I mean, I feel like this is your uh, I mean, how do you fix it? How do you stop people from just signing up with different email addresses? I mean, do you go like the route of like tracking IPs and banning IP addresses, but there's ways around well, yeah, that, that too. Like work. I don't I don't know enough. I don't know I don't even know enough tech talk to even come up with a concept to fix it. I I don't I have no idea. The only way and it's not it's not a solution. So don't don't start yelling at me and shooting flames at me. Um, so it's not a solution. But the only way I was able to think uh, of a, a solution is to basically make people identify themselves. Right. But that's not really a solution because part of the draw of Twitter and being able to say whatever you want is the anonymity of it all. You know, even even though. Some of us on Twitter aren't anonymous at all. I mean, I'm I'm very transparent on Twitter. You know exactly who I am. But there are people who need the anonymity of Twitter. So I my my thought was the about the only way I could think of doing it is if you identified yourself to Twitter, not to the Twitter social base. You can oh, sure. have your name be whatever. But you have to for somehow identify yourself to Twitter the company so that they can say, this person has this account, this account was banned, and now this person is trying to sign up for a new one. Negatory. You know? But, but even with really that, messy. though, even with that, I mean, couldn't you just given you know you get banned and you sign up with a new fake name like what are you going to give them to like truly identify you are you going to have to sign up and give them your social security number no you know, give them a credit card that, but... you know like what uh what are you going to have to give them because you could just ban jesse miller and then jesse miller just signs up again as sean scott you know like yeah. what picture your driver's license would do it <laughs> you're gonna fucking give Twitter a picture of your driver's license? Oh, I mean, there's no information on there that's really pertinent for the most part. Still, if you think about it, nowadays because your social security number is not your driver's license number anymore, right? So you have a driver's still, license number with your address, your yeah, I'm physical give my home address. Somebody face. hacked Twitter and now everybody's got my home address. And oh, I mean, any any, yeah, any personal information is too much. I don't I don't I don't know. I don't know how you'd fix it. I don't think you can. <laughs> it's I think broken. it's the danger of it's just the danger of this this kind of platform, you know? Like people need to understand that that's the danger of social media and you know like all Twitter can do is I guess what they're doing is, you know, you just it's going to be a constant battle. You just have to constantly shut it down. Hmm. I don't know. There's gotta be I would a, love to hear better options. Yeah, there's got to be a better solution out there because they're losing the war against the trolls. Even though they're fighting super hard and doing a good job for the most part, they are 
horribly losing the battle because trolls they're like zombies man you you kill one and two of them come back no they ruin the internet for everyone else is is it handled any differently on any other social media platform um i mean let's start there like you know is is the situation any different on facebook or instagram or anything like that you know not, not really not to create new accounts so no one's been able to fix this problem <laughs> or I don't has think, hard enough. I don't think many people have tried in that aspect because you got to figure the majority of places like Facebook and Google Plus and Twitter and any other social networks, the whole point of the social network is to have as many people on it as possible. So if somebody, say, locks themselves out of their account, it's not really in your best interest to unlock that account for them because... It's easier if they just sign up for a new account because now you have two people instead of one, even though one of them is an account that's never going to be accessed again. It's still an account. It's still a number. It's still a digit. So between that and the fact of making it any more difficult to sign up than just putting in an email and a password it's going to reduce the number of people who sign up for your platform and people who want to be anonymous completely aren't going to sign up for your platform. Uh, So that's going to reduce your user counts. And unfortunately that is the number one thing that all of these networks have to shoot for is number of active users because that's what they're going to sell the ads and user data against. So the system's just broken. It's just broken. I don't think there's a fix. Gay frogs! Gay frogs! <laughs> All right. So next, uh, <laughs> this I don't I don't understand this completely, uh, and I know if I don't understand it, I'm pretty sure you won't. But we're gonna talk about it anyway because this has got to be it's got to be a millennial problem. I, that's just the way it is. So Palm has unveiled a new smartphone. Um. it's going to be releasing November 2nd. Verizon's the one that's going to be carrying it first. or They say it's the exclusive carrier. I mean, you'll probably be able to buy it outright somehow, somewhere. Uh, It's $300 on a two-year contract, or $350 if you buy it outright. And it doesn't need a new data plan, but you have to use Verizon's number share service, which is $10 a month. And that's automatically where the red flag goes up for me. Because when I was reading this article, I'm like, wait a minute, NumberShare? Because NumberShare is the equivalent of T-Mobile's digits, which is, the, which is the cellular plan that you add to an Apple Watch to, to where it matches your cell phone's number. It shares the number that your cell phone has. So then I started reading a little bit more, and it turns out that this itty-bitty little smartphone is not supposed to be your main smartphone. It is a secondary, smaller phone that uses the same number as your main smartphone. So that if you want to carry around a smaller device to be so that you are less distracted, you can. <laughs> is this That's is this not ridiculous <laughs> and absurd? Is this not uh, a millennial first world problem? No, the only practical the only practical uh, use I see for this uh, <laughs> is like when um, 
when like a lady gets dressed up really nice and goes out with a very tiny handbag or something, you know what I mean? Okay. Uh, and maybe she would like a smaller phone that evening. However, I don't necessarily believe that that is a large enough of a market to <laughs> develop an entire device for. Is that problem big enough? Uh, and and <laughs> they're, the way they're selling it is just like, I don't, what do I need a secondary? I'm already carrying a primary and a work cell phone, so you know, I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to add a, a secondary phone into the. Mi- I don't get it. So you want. So you want to be less distracted. If you want to be less distracted, just don't use your phone. Exactly. That is exactly my point. I, I don't understand. I mean, okay. Apple Watch. In 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 Palm's defense, Apple Watch does the same idea. You know, it's. If you have a cellular plan on your Apple Watch, for instance, I do, then I can make calls, I can send texts, and I can use apps that use data when my phone is not around. So, for instance, while I was on vacation, I would go swimming down at the hotel pool, and I wouldn't take my phone with me. But it's because I knew I could get all my phone calls and texts on my watch. But (laughs) I'm not carrying a whole nother phone for that. If I wanted to do that, I'd just carry my phone. That makes no sense. I don't get it. I mean, I'm all for innovation. Yeah, and this just... is the first thing of its kind, I guess. But still, I I think this is a solution without a problem. Right. Like I said, the, in, at least in the example I gave, like it's because you specifically need a smaller phone. Like the only use for this would be for a for a for. Whatever reason that you need a physically smaller phone than what many smartphones have grown to be nowadays, and and the example I came up with is the only one I can think of right yeah. now, in uh, valid reason for why oh your phone needs to be smaller. Um, other than that, you know, like maybe like you only. I don't know. I don't know. Like your clothes have pockets that are only so small, <laughs> you know, like, well, then I guess you just need to buy a smaller phone in general. Exactly. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That is exactly what I was thinking. If you need a smaller phone, buy a smaller phone. Don't buy a note. You know? Yeah, exactly. <sighs> like I said, I don't know why, but as soon as I read this article, I thought to myself, this is a very millennial problem. <laughs> yeah i don't know man Woo. <sighs> all right so there's that i mean you can look up the specs if you want but being that it's not um it's basically like a low-end smartphone for the most part it, it really is it's it's not impressive in any way it's just meant to be a secondary device whatever at least it's not expensive well relatively 300 dollars is still a lot of money all right, so um, this one's going to be a quick one, but I this is such an interesting and cool little tool that I, I needed to talk about it and let people know that it exists because I didn't know, and now I'm going to use this all the damn time. Yeah, this does sound pretty interesting. So Google added a new shortcut to uh, G Suite. So it's that's uh, Google Sheets, Google Docs, Google... Um, I forget what they call the uh, PowerPoint... Um, but we've got slide uh, slides, docs, that's it. docs, sheets, slides, deck, forms, mm-hmm. sites. sites. Yep. Um, Website. So basically, what you can do now is, if you're using Chrome, just go up to the top in the in the address bar, 
and type doc.new, docs.new, or document.new, and it automatically will open up to G Suite with a brand new document. Uh, same thing works with sheet, sheets, and spreadsheet.new, slide, slides, and deck.new, or presentation.new. Um, forms, you can use form for, or forms.new. And sites, you can do site.new, sites.new, or website.new. You just basically say what you want, put .new at the end of it, and it'll just pop up. It's really cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I probably... your Google. That could have been in the blurbs, but it was such a cool thing, I just, I had to put it down here. Making it easy. It's one of those innovations that's, like, so simple and amazing that you're like, why hasn't this existed for, like, 10 years already? Right? That's exactly what I was thinking. All right. Well, <clears throat> on to the uh, man with the super punchable face, the king and president gov of the Big and Tall Tooth Club, Ajet Pai. Because I... And when can we stop talking oh, about this God. asshole? I really hope so. I hope soon. Because it's, uh, it's causing me health problems. I think I have high blood pressure every time a FCC story comes across the newswire. Uh, last month, California's governor... Uh, this comes from an article from Engadget. Signed the state's net neutrality bill into law. Uh, basically, California took all the stuff the FCC wanted to get rid of and worked really hard to get rid of and put it into its own law and said, F you guys, <laughs> we're going to keep this around. Uh, as soon as they signed it into law, they were hit with lawsuits from both the Department of Justice and industry groups representing AT&T, Charter, and Verizon which claimed the law ran afoul of the FCC's regulations. So basically, the, in their FCC's uh, regulations to repeal net neutrality, uh, they had in there that states couldn't make their own net neutrality laws. They wanted to make sure to clear, clean or to um, uh, remove that loophole completely. So they have decided california has decided to put the bill on hold until all of the litigation with the fcc's net neutrality repeal has come to an end that's the fact that once the fcc repeal actually put forth the legislation to repeal net neutrality they were sued by goddamn near everybody <laughs> i mean everybody uh, which should probably tell you something. Not sure, but probably. Um, as soon as that is all said and done with, if it is still legal for California to do so, they plan on you know, letting the bill take its course and put it back in. Uh, let's see here. There was one quote in here from Assface, Ajetpai. Let's see here. This substantial concession reflects the strength of the case made by the United States earlier this month. It wasn't made by the United States. It was made by you. Um, he also, uh, Let's see here. It also demonstrates, contrary to the claims the law of the law's supporters, so that's people who support the California law, that there is no urgent problem that these regulations are needed to address. Indeed, California's agreement not to enforce these regulations will allow Californians to continue to enjoy free data plans that have proven to be very popular among consumers. The one that I like is that right in the middle, it demonstrates, contrary to the claims law's supporters, that there is no urgent problem 
that these regulations are needed to address. Agitpi, there's no urgent problem that seatbelts are needed to address because it's not an urgent problem. It's a protection. It's there to protect, not I mean, to address the fucking problem. I would argue that the immediate passage of the law after the FCC repealed the regulations would uh, provide just as much evidence that there is yeah, an immediate true. problem as their refusal to implement the law until the lawsuit is is settled gives that there isn't. Yeah, it's true. So, basically, um, we're all rooting for this California uh, bill, and we're so excited when it got signed in, and now it's being held back a little bit also by the man, the 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 dude, the... I don't know. I don't know what I got nothing for him anymore. I just, and every picture, like the picture for this article, everybody picks the greatest pictures of him because he just looks like a smug ass every single time he gets his picture taken. Have you noticed that? Like, oh yeah. Like this picture is just like the worst human being. I just don't know. I wish I could be inside his head for a day, you know, just just to see like what goes on in there. Anyway, uh, hopefully this uh, doesn't take too horribly long for them to figure out what the hell they're going to be doing and move on with all this crap. Uh, the oral arguments for the federal challenge are set to begin February 1st. Uh, That's for the, the main hoopla that we're waiting on. So, yippee. Uh, let's see here. Uh, in the uh, realm of laws that help us win, uh, new copyright exemptions let you legally repair your phone or jailbreak your person, your voice assistants. This comes from uh, The Verge. So, the DMCA or the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, which we've been hearing about forever, uh, has a section called 1201. And it says it is unlawful to circumvent technological measures used to prevent unauthorized access to copyrighted works. Uh, Because of the way things are built now and the way things work now, basically people like Apple and other companies have used 1201 as a way to say it is illegal for you to repair your phone. You have to bring it to us to repair it. And... A lot of us, myself included, think that if you want to repair a device or modify it in some way, you should be allowed to because you own it. You bought it. Um, Now, that's not to say I think Apple should cover that device after you've fiddled with it. Um, If you repair your iPhone and it breaks afterwards, as soon as you repair it, your warranty is null and void as far as I'm concerned. And as long as you're okay with that, I think Apple should also be okay with that. Um, so there have been, um, you know, there's been a big, a big push to try to get some of this stuff changed because, you know, it's just, it can, it can really gum up the works with, uh, for instance, the, uh, screen replacement problem that Apple had where, Third parties would replace your screen on your iPhone and it would brick the fingerprint sensor and then like inevitably brick the phone simply because Apple wanted it locked down. 
Um, they said it was for security reasons, which I I do sympathize with because you don't want someone putting a, a hacked fingerprint reader in there that'll just automatically read a correct fingerprint every time. But it's also a problem because people who bought the devices weren't able to repair them themselves. So, uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see. So, uh, as, as part of the DMCA, uh, citizens are allowed to petition for exemptions to Section 1201 every three years. And um, the Copyright Office has basically set, has made some changes. So we've got a list of changes here in the article. These sound pretty good, actually. Um, the biggest changes are the right to jailbreak and modify voice assistant devices. Um, you know, So that's the Echo and the Google Assistant stuff. Uh, it's now legal to unlock new phones, not just used ones. So that's cool. Um, there, there's a general exemption for repairing smartphones, home device, or home appliances, and home systems. Um, you know, so that's I mean that that opens up to a lot of different devices that you'll be able to legally repair by you know for yourself, and companies will kind of almost be forced to allow you to do it because it's legal now. Um, this one was interesting. So it's now legal to repair cars, tractors, and other motorized land vehicles by modifying the software on your own. John Deere was famously in the news for this by disallowing people to change the software in order to repair, um, their tractors, uh, and farm equipment. And it was, some of them were legitimate repairs, but they would not allow end users, people who own the equipment to change the software and they said their reasoning was it could lead owners hacking the it could lead to owners hacking the tractors and using them to pirate music. <laughs> That's I just I would love to see <laughs> the guy who's hacking his tractor in order to pirate music. In order to download she thinks my tractor's sexy. Yeah. Um, and then are last, there a lot of farmer hackers out there? I don't know. It doesn't seem like a, a group, you know, two groups that would uh, cross very often, I guess. But right. I guess it's possible. You know, a lot of farm equipment is very advanced now. I've I've been a very uh, I have a gentleman that I work with who has a farm and uh, some of the stuff he asks me about. I'm like, wow, I didn't know that even existed, that there was. You know, he said he needed a laptop so he could carry it on the on one of his tractors and um, do some work on it. I'm like, wow, you need a laptop on a tractor? That's that's crazy. But hey, <clears throat> you know, now he'll be able to modify the software and download tractor music. Right. <laughs> um, lastly, it is legal for other third parties to do these kind of repairs on your behalf. Um, so that's cool. That allow you to, you know, pay for pay someone to fix a bricked device or something like that. Obviously, the DMCA is unbelievably outdated and a horribly draconian law that is still going to cause us all kinds of problems in the future. But for now, at least 1201s, some of their teeth have been pulled. Um, you still can't do it for game consoles. For instance, the article states... Um, so if you got a busted CD drive on your game console, you still can't change that because it's software locked to the system. 
Uh, let's see here. Planes and boats aren't part of it. So if you own a plane or own a boat, you're still you're still stuck taking it back to the uh, the big wigs if they if you need to have something fixed on it software wise. So, uh, but hey, it's only three more years until we can change it again or petition to have it changed again. So hopefully we can slowly wheedle down the uh, amount of trouble that twelve hundred one can cause. So. All right. And now time for movie news. This one is you, Sean, and I, I have a feeling that this is going to be like 30 seconds long. Let's what you're see. about to talk about here. PG-13 Deadpool? Yeah. Why would you say 30 seconds long? Well, because <laughs> if you made Deadpool PG-13, it'd be like a 30 second long movie. If you cut out every curse word... There'd be no dialogue. <laughs> That's a good point. So uh, what we're talking about here is that uh, 20th Century Fox recently announced that uh, coming to theaters December 21st is an untitled PG-13 Deadpool movie. Now, uh, the theory here is that uh, this might be just a PG-13 edit of some kind of Deadpool 2. Um, but I don't know if that's necessarily true or not. Like there, there is no confirmation of that. So, uh, they've done, uh, like some, uh, what was it? What do they call it? Uh, like a promo or a trade not even, I would call it a trailer. It had to be a, a promo of it. Um, but it, uh, Ryan Reynolds released a photo of himself reading a bedtime story to Fred Savage, like, uh, in the princess bride and, uh, other than that, we don't really know anything about the movie. So if it's a PG-13 edit of Deadpool 2, then yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, I don't know how they're going to even do that and not have it be 30 seconds long. But uh, I'm hoping for maybe some kind of Christmas special. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess if you, if you had a Christmas special, maybe, and it was... <clears throat> Uh, maybe okay. Maybe a Christmas special where Deadpool specifically makes the promise that he's not going to curse, or maybe not going to kill people viciously, or you know. And then the whole entire script and the whole movie is basically him fighting with the fact that he can't do any of that stuff. Right. That might right. be funny, but man, I could see something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. I would I would go see something like that just because I think it would be funny. But if it's original yeah. content, I would consider going to see it. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, I could I I think based off what you just came up with, like I could see it being because uh, they they discuss in this article how it could possibly be you know uh, a PG thirteen cut of both maybe Deadpool one and Deadpool two combined together uh because if you're cutting that much stuff out you know i guess <laughs> you, you might need two movies to fill the time but i possibly combining that their idea and your idea you know like maybe there's a little bit of original content with him and fred savage and you know maybe him making some kind of promise to you know eliminate that stuff and then like remembering or looking back to see like what it would be like if all of that was edited out 
You know what I mean? Maybe a combination of the two. Yeah, uh, maybe. I, I could I could see them doing something like that. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. It. <laughs> I don't know. We're really gonna have to wait and see on this one. It's... But uh, the big thing uh, that I noticed in this article that they talked about is that uh, this is coming out on December twenty first, and I didn't realize that December twenty first was gonna be like the biggest movie day of the year. Because uh, this movie will come out on the same day that Warner Brothers and Paramount will be releasing Aquaman and Bumblebee. And the same day that Will Ferrell and John C. Riley's Sherlock Holmes comedy, Sonny Holmes and Watson, will be coming out. And the new, the same day that Robert Zemeckis has a new movie starring Steve Carell called Universal's Welcome to Marwin will be coming out. And then uh, Disney will be releasing their Mary Poppins two days prior on the 19th. So, like, man, the week before Christmas is going to be just, like, stacked with, with movies. Hmm. Yeah, we'll have to see. That's going to be interesting. So if with all of those new movies coming out, I don't I guess I don't necessarily see if it was if it was just straight up a PG-13 edit of even both movies together. Why would you release that in competition with all of these huge budget new productions you know bumblebee is in the transformers franchise and uh aquaman is you know dc's big new movie and by the way the trailer for that looks amazing and the uh you know john c Riley, will ferrell that look that looks like a pretty big budget comedy at least you know for a comedy uh i i just don't know why you would release just a pure pg-13 edit in competition with all that stuff other than to just say F you to DC maybe um, and try to steal some money from them. Maybe. But if there's original content in it and it's like an, an, an actual new production, then, oh man, that's going to be fantastic. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff to watch that week. Hmm. Okay. All right. The next story in the movie category that I have found was about a streaming service that I existed. Uh, Warner Media's streaming service Filmstruck, which is apparently the home to Criterion Collection. Now, uh, this I'm, I'm sure this is a question you can answer because I didn't bother to look anything up. What exactly is the Criterion Collection? Because like I've heard it many a times, <clears throat> but I don't know exactly what it is. I'm trying to think of the easiest way to say this. Um, I mean, Criterion is basically, it's a movie, uh, they're, they're a movie distribution company. Um, it's kind of... So it's just a collection of movies that they distributed over the years? Well, kind of, but it's kind of, it's, it's, uh, it's really hard to explain, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it. I know uh, what it is. I, you it's, suck at this. I know. It's, I've never had to explain it before. Uh, <clears throat> it's basically like a collection of movies that is considered to be not only classics that, ha- almost like a must watch list. Movies that either 
uh, tried new things uh, that became standards later. Uh, movies that everyone else refers to constantly. Uh, things like that, really. Um, and it's always like any any streaming service getting the Criterion Collection has always been a big deal. Gotcha. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things. Like I said, I I never really thought I'd have to explain it to anyone. I'm sorry. I I don't. I'm not doing a very good job at it. But it's think of it as a must see movie list for movie lovers. You know. Gotcha. Well, Filmstruck was the name of the streaming service, and uh, it, it it housed indie art house and classic films. Uh, and it, Warner Warner Media, under AT and T's ownership, has decided to cease operations uh, on November 29th, and they stopped accepting signups on October 26th. So uh, I don't. Uh, I mean, I guess if October 26th was the day they decided that they were going to stop, then that would make sense. But like, if you knew you were going to stop operations in november why were you still signing up people a month prior you know what i mean yeah that doesn't that doesn't make sense but uh uh i had never even heard of this streaming service but i'd heard of the criterion collection and and when i read about it it sounded like something that you know like movie buffs would be interested in especially because as we were talking about earlier with the streaming services you know uh um dividing everything out now you know basically every major producer or uh provider of content has their own streaming services and everyone's you know scrambling to to gather up the content that they're going to be able to offer uh this now leaves something like the criterion collection going back into the open market i guess this is true um that could be big news for you know netflix or I don't know, you know, CBS All Access or whatever. Here we go. This this might help a little bit. This is from Wikipedia, so grain of salt and all. But um, the Criterion Collection Incorporated, or simply Criterion, is an American <laughs> home video distribution company which focuses on licensing quote, licensing quote important classic and contemporary films end quote and selling them to film aficionados. Criterion is noted for helping to standardize a number of new ideas, such as the letterbox format for widescreen films, adding bonus features, commentary tracks, doing film restoration, and releasing special editions for home video. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So, now... LOL, OMG, was that? Um, you know what kidney stones are made out of, don't you? Basically. Oh, I mean, it's hard rocks that are in your really. <laughs> okay. Well, well nitro- nitrogen, sure. calcium, you know, all these different I mean, elements. Is. Yeah, I, I thought you were asking me like physically, like what elements it was or where oh, it no, came no, no. from no, specifically. You know, like in general. Okay. Right, I know what a kidney stone is, sure. Okay, so what if you could build a house out of those? <laughs> well, that's weird and gross. Well, at the University of Cape Town in South Africa, uh, Dylan Randall, a senior senior lecturer in water quality engineer at UCT, has been leading an effort to turn human urine into the zero-waste building material of tomorrow. 
Um, this comes from Live Science. I love this site, by the way. If you've never checked it out, it's fantastic for really weird science news. Um, so it says here 90% of urine is just water. But the rest are things like phosphorus, nitrogen, and potassium. And you can... Ba- he basically he he <laughs> placed portable urinals in men's rooms around the campus to collect pee, <laughs> and then he used it to make bricks out of, like turning it into sustainable fertilizers and quote even limestone like bio bricks that can be molded into any shape within just a few days. Sorry, cell phone. Silence your cell phone during recording. God. Yeah, mine's not on silent either. Yeah, I didn't know that one wasn't. So, uh, basically, I mean, I don't, I, um, I don't know. I it's really cool that you can yeah, turn no, pee it's into a brick. <laughs> but the first thing I thought to myself was, that's one hell of a kidney stone. You know, but uh, yeah, no, it sounds uh, it sounds pretty interesting. Uh, you know, I think any kind of scientific advancement in regards to like sustainability and stuff like that is is pretty cool. So, if you can come up with like a a, a decent good use, because you know, making bricks out of it, it uh, like how much pee does it take to make a single brick? You know what I mean? Like, is this something that uh, could like you know, we could build homes for the homeless with you know but i or it does like seven months worth of guys peeing in buckets get you five bricks you know what i mean well let's see here uh first the urine is collected into plastic containers filled with calcium hydroxide powder otherwise known as lime um this this pea lime mcpie mixture naturally combines to form calcium phosphate which is known as a common fertilizer uh, also kills any harmful this this phase also kills any harmful pathogens or bacteria living in the pea. Uh, right. So now we're so we're so we're investing in the lime to begin with. So you know, in order to like, basically, I'm just trying to think of like you know how how is this going to be profitable to someone? You know what well, I mean? Like you're going to have to invest in the process of getting someone to allow you to collect all of their urine and then invest in the lime. And then you can make bricks out of it. And are those bricks valuable enough or worthwhile enough for all the money that you've already invested? Maybe, because the first phase just gets you the fertilizer. So you get the fertilizer. And then once the fertilizer is removed, it says here that a liquid component remains. In step two of the process, this liquid is mixed into a separate vessel containing sand and bacteria. These bacteria react with the urine to produce calcium carbonate, which effectively cements the sand into any shape. Um, says, put it into a rectangular mold, and in two to six days, you've got a bio brick. Uh, the longer the mixture is left to grow, the sturdier the brick becomes. Uh, basically, I don't think this is. Let's see here. Oh, here you go. Here's your. Here's the answer to your quantity um, question. Here, a single bio brick takes about. 25 to 30 liters of urine to grow, uh, which is the equivalent of about 100 bathroom trips for the average person. Um, Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, it's again, it's interesting from a sustainability viewpoint. I just don't know if it's practical in any way, shape, or form. Well, and see, the thing is, normal bricks you have to heat them up to cure them. Um, you know, otherwise they don't get they don't harden up like a rock. Whereas these, you don't have to do that. They they cure by themselves. So that might be one of the you know big points where you don't have somewhere that you can cure these bricks and you know, fire or electricity to heat them up that might help um this is interesting randall told the bbc that the partially formed bricks produce a smell akin to a pet peeing in a corner however within about 48 hours the smell dissipates no i think it probably probably just get used to it and stop smelling it everyone no else shit. knows you live in a pee house <laughs> <laughs> Man, that guy either lives in a pee house or he has like 20 dogs. <laughs> so, yeah, interesting. Why not? Okay. So now. Next. Flicks. Oh, we are going to be covering movies. Let me get to 2008 here. Uh, we're going to be covering movies from the 29th all the way until the 9th. It is already November. That is crazy talk. Let's see. So, nothing during the week, it doesn't look like. That's awesome. So, November 2nd is our first Fortier here. 2018. Boom. <clears throat> first one The Nutcracker and the Four Realms. Mm. Misty Copeland, Mackenzie Foy, Morgan Freeman, Kira Knightley, Helen Mirren, Matthew Mc, McFadden, McFadden. Wow. All, all Clara wants is a key, a one Next. of a kind. I, I don't, thing. I don't want a key. I don't it, give a shit it, about the Nutcracker. Yeah, it does. I mean, it looks, it looks visually interesting, but story wise, I, I don't, I don't understand. So, yeah, I just, well, it's the Nutcracker. I mean, it's like a famous. Well, yeah, I just, I just don't care. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Nobody's fool. Uh, Tiffany Haddish, Tika Sumter, uh, Missy Pyle, Whoopi Goldberg. I haven't seen her for a while. Uh, mm -hmm. Amber Riley. Trying to get back on her feet, wild child Tanya looks to her buttoned-up by the book sister Danica, Danica maybe, to help her get back on track. As these polar opposites collide with hilarious and sometimes disastrous results, Tanya discovers. Next. Thank you. It's this just, doesn't that sound. just sounds yuck, yuck, stupid. It's Tyler Perry. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I didn't want to say that when I read it. You could have gotten a next right then. <laughs> I know I could have. Uh, all right, this one I this one it, the reviews are wishy washy, but I really want to see it. Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, oh, is this the the biopic? Yeah, uh, Rami yeah. Malek, um, Joe Mazzello, Ben Hardy, uh, Alan Leach, Lucy Boynton. Bohemian Rhapsody is a foot-stomping celebration of Queen, their music, and their extraordinary leader, lead singer, Freddie Mercury, who defined stereotypes and shattered convention to become one of the most beloved entertainers on the planet. The film traces the meteoric rise of the band through their iconic songs and revolutionary... I'm going to stop. <laughs> Does it because go it's on very forever? long it's very long-winded you're gonna next it after like another sentence i can feel it yep 
Um, it is very... I was going to next it when they went on to another paragraph, when, when they went on to after the beginning description. Exactly. Right it should have just stopped at, this is about Queen and Freddie Mercury and how awesome they are at full stop, you know? Yeah. So I am super interested in seeing this, though. Uh, and I love Rami Malek. The dude's weird, yeah. but he's an amazing actor. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good actor. I, I like him in Mr. Robot. So, uh, I mean, I'm not going to go to the theater to see it, but it's definitely something I would take a look at. Let's see here. Mm, lots of uh, lots of limited stuff. Okay, so that's all for the second. And we're going until the 9th, so... November 9th. This one, this one, I've, I gotta, I gotta see it. I absolutely have to. Oh, God. Summary's so long. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. All right, Dr. Seuss, The Grinch. Um, this is the animated one with Benedict Cumberbatch as The Grinch. Right. Uh, Angela Lansbury, Rashida Jones, uh, Kenan Thompson, Pharrell Williams. Um, I'm just going to read the first paragraph because there's three of them. <laughs> Jeez. Benedict All Cumberbatch right, lends his voice to the infamous Grinch who lives a solitary life inside of a cave on Mount Crumpet with only his loyal dog, Max, for company. Uh, with a cave rigged with inventions and contraptions for his day-to-day needs, the Grinch only sees his neighbors, the Whoville, the Who's in Whoville, when he runs out of food. And it go, it tells, it literally tells like the first ten minutes of the movie here, yeah. like every bit of it. That's crazy. Uh, I mean, I I guess I would check it out just because out of curiosity's sake, you know, being Benedict a remake Cumberbatch. of. Benedict Cumberbatch. I know that uh, Scott Mosier, you know, the uh, best friend of uh, Kevin Smith, I know he was involved in the making of the movie as well. Yep. Uh, so, the director. You know, yeah. I would. Uh, oh, did he direct the whole thing? He, it says directed by Scott Mosier and Yaro Cheney. Cheney. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's that's pretty cool. Like I knew he had he had worked on uh, Spider Man: The Ultimate Series, I believe, which was what like the the funny, goofy Spider Man series with like the little comedic Spider Man that would pop in. I and liked lo- that little one. bits. Yeah, I yeah. liked it as well. And so he's been he's done some stuff like that in the past. I didn't think he had uh, progressed to directing, you know, such a a big budget thing like this. Uh, that's pretty that's pretty huge. Um, but I'm not gonna go to the movie theater to see it or anything. I don't have kids. You might you might end up going to see it at the theater, right? Yeah, I will totally go. I'm I've been told that I'm going to go see this already. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I'll be going to see it. All right. Uh, let's see here. All right. <clears throat> Ooh, good lord! That's a hell of a picture to have right on the front. Uh, Overlord. Uh, oh. uh, some of these people's names are very, very not American-based <laughs> names. Uh, Wyatt Russell. I see that one. Jacob Anderson. I'm probably going to butcher this one. Jovan Edipo. Um, mm-hmm. Dominic Applewhite. Oh, this is good. On the eve of D-Day, a group of American paratroopers are dropped behind Next. enemy lines. Uh, I'm going to veto. I'm going to veto. 
All right. Okay. On the eve of D-Day, a group of American paratroopers are dropped behind enemy lines to carry out a mission crucial to the invasion's success. But as they approach their target, they begin to realize there's more going on in this Nazi-occupied village than a simple military operation. Now, the thing is, I am going to... This is why I'm vetoing. Um, in the show notes, down in our section, I'm going to post that link to that page. Go there. It doesn't tell me like exactly what is going on, but it says it's a supernatural movie. Look at the photos. That's why I'm vetoing. <laughs> it looks like some so. What is zombie his shit. face is all jacked up? You know, whatever. Yeah, I don't care. It Next, could, it could be interesting though. It's a period piece. Nope, it's a supernatural. Bah, bah, it's, bah. It's produced by J.J. Abrams. All right, maybe well, produced. That just means that it just means that like he gave money. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's exactly what produced. Oh, I mean, you can't buy a producer credit, I guess. But I mean, that that means you have some say in the film too. You know. Eh. Eh. All right. Eh. All right. Whatever. Uh, let's see here. Next one is uh, The Girl in the Spider's Web, a new dragon tattoo story. Next. Thank you. That was a horrible title. Uh, let's see. Limited, limited, limited. Mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm. Ah, uh, it's a limited ones. I'm not seeing any names that I recognize, which is what I usually do when I have to go through the limited ones. I actually go through and see if I can see any actors or, or keywords. Zombies. Uh, <laughs> space, space. Time travel. <laughs> hey, there is one called Time Freak. Uh, but, you yeah, know. Yeah, so that's that's all we got. Wow, right. not a lot of movies coming out. Nope, they're all waiting for Christmas. <laughs> Until the, they're all waiting for the, uh, what is it, the 21st? Yep. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so, Sean, what the hell are you up to? Uh, not a whole lot, as you could, uh, as you know by, you know, our discussion prior to the show, and I was trying to think of what the hell I was up to. So all I could come up with was the last couple audiobooks that I've listened to, um, However, the first one, Out of Spite, Out of Mind, uh, I believe, don't you listen to this series? The Magic 2.0, Off to Be the Wizard? Oh, did that that release? Because I, yes, I think I pre-ordered that. <laughs> uh, book five, Out of Spite, Out of Mind. Yeah, uh, I think I pre-ordered that. Written by Scott Meyer, narrated by my favorite, Luke Daniels, uh, is absolutely out. I listened to it. Uh, since you have not, I won't uh, talk too much about the the plot, but I will just say that it is one of the most convoluted time traveling storylines <laughs> that I have ever bore witness to. Uh, it was great; it's a great story. Um, but uh, there is, we'll talk more about it once you've once you've listened, because there's something in it that just did annoy me. Uh, but uh, other than that, it was a great story, and uh, the time travel aspect—I mean, it's just so complicated. Like, it, it's it's ridiculous. So okay, be prepared. I, I did not pre-order it. 
what I, I pre-ordered the newest book of the Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Uh, but I just did. I just bought uh, out of spite, out of mind. So I'll I'll take a listen. So the second book that I listened to was the second book in the Everybody Loves Big Chests series, called Fizzle Spracket, written by Nevin Ilyev and narrated by Jeff Hayes. And I don't know if you recall if I talked about this one previously when I read the first one, but it's like a. Uh, almost like a lit RPG, you know, a literary RPG, uh, and it is about a, a, a mimic, a, a treasure chest monster, and and it, uh, out of a series of odd circumstances, you know, gains levels and skills that a normal mimic would otherwise not have, and goes on adventures, and it's a monster, and it does horrible things, and it's a fairly amusing uh, two books so far. However... Uh, it is graphic uh, in a sexual nature that is it, that that borders on being uncomfortable at times. <laughs> uh, so that that is is a definite warning I would give to anyone thinking about uh, listening to this series. Uh, but the concept is hilarious, and the execution is 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 fairly well done. Uh, narration is great. Uh, it's just the incredibly graphic sexual content that goes on at some points that is just uh, borderline uncomfortable. The third, the first book in the series is called Morningwood. Yeah, yeah, Morningwood. It's it's the name of the uh, <laughs> it's the name of the forest where the cave was located that the mimic came out of. His name is Boxy T. Morningwood. <laughs> All right, gotta get it. Gotta have this. This is this is pretty good. <laughs> oh man! But it's like a literary RPG, so like they will literally like stop and like talk about his stats you know like they will go over the levels that he's gaining in each in each of his skills and things like that you know and you got but this on kinda, audible yeah it's on audible okay so it's it's a good is how's the narrator is oh jeff hayes is great okay jeff hayes is a great narrator okay i just want to make sure i didn't uh i'll buy it on audible or i'll buy the ebook i just if the narrator is good i'll go with audible oh yeah no jeff hayes is great i love his okay. stuff cool I don't know if he narrates any series that you may have already listened to. Uh, let's see, Jeff Hayes. I'm trying to scroll through my Audible right now. Uh, no, he looks like he's narr. Like I've listened to him in uh, a series called Delvers LLC. It's also another literary RPG. Um, yeah. Uh, M.R. Forbes. Uh, there's some books that M.R. Forbes wrote. I can't think of the name of the series right now, but they're like, you know, sci-fi fantasy. But I can't think of anything. I don't see anything as I'm scrolling through here that uh, is one of the series that you and I have both listened to. The Divine series. That's the series that I listened to by M.R. Forbes. Hmm. Okay. A lot of super, a lot of supernatural, uh, you know, science fiction, fantasy, whatever you want to put, like supernatural genre type books in. Uh, he's been involved in the narration of a lot, and it looks like you know, most recently he's 
done a lot of like literary RPGs and stuff. But but yeah, he is a he is a a good uh, a good narrator. Awesome. Alrighty. Uh, for me, well, this is the twenty seventh as we record this, and as some of you, most of you probably, except for Sean, because Sean doesn't. Sean doesn't know. He's he's one of those guys. Uh, but most of you know Red Dead Redemption released on the 26th. So all last night and part of this morning was just me being an outlaw in the West shooting people. It was, it was pretty fun. Uh, is, it as fun as, is it as fun as the first one? It is more fun than the first one. Um, it take all the stuff the first one did right, keep all of that, and then add more of the uh, real-world aspects of things. You know, the fact that you have to eat now. Because if you don't eat, you go, you actually lose weight from exercising and running around. And then, you know, your stamina goes down a little bit because you're skinny. You know, that kind of thing. Hmm. Um, there is more... Kind of like the Fallout survival mode. Exactly. There's way more little things in there. Um, you have to build a good rapport with your horse, otherwise he gets spooked easily. Um, <laughs> you know, stuff cool. like that. So it's it's very cool, very intricate, and all the little I really bits. liked the first one. I really did. Yeah. I thought and, the storyline in the first game was fantastic. Oh, yeah. And I haven't gotten ho- very far into this story yet, because I've been roaming around, which is unusual for me. Typically, I hammer at the story... This one has so much other stuff to do that I can't help but roam around and fiddle. Um, one of the things that they took from The Witcher, uh, The Witcher 3 specifically, is hair that actually grows. So it's, huh. it's really interesting. You grow a beard or you grow, you know, if you, if you shave, you end up getting stubble and everything as you just roam around the world. And right. then, you know, you can either go full Grizzly Adams and never shave a thing or never cut your hair or anything. Or, like me, I trim it into a nice goatee with some pomade in my hair when I go to the barber, you know? But regardless, the game forces you to make a decision in regards to your own facial hair. It does, yeah. That's kind of cool. Exactly. It's it's so interesting. And you, you can actually, when you go in, you can pick a defined uh, style if you want. Or, what I do... When you're going to the shaving dialogue, you can actually just say you want to trim it, and then it will let you trim between the mutton chop sideburns area, the mustache area, or the chin area, and then you could select the length. But here's the real fun part. So in Grand Theft Auto, you could change your haircut, and you could change it to whatever you wanted. Any style was open. In Red Dead Redemption 2, you have to have enough hair to do the style. In order for uh, it to be available, so if you shave so your head, your hair, yeah, if you shave your head, you can't part it in the middle again until the hair grows out. And there, I mean, it's just it's so, it's stupid. It doesn't add anything play no, value wise to the game, but it is a, such an interesting idea. Yeah, it's a fun feature because you you're looking at your character's back, you know, the whole time, and then all of a right. sudden you talk to someone. It goes to a cutscene, and you're like, "Holy shit, I need to shave." I have shaved six months. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so That's it's awesome. yeah, it's very cool. Um, so yeah, if you like Red Dead Redemption, definitely check it out. It's well worth well worth getting. Um, That's something I wish they would in, put in like Fallout. 
you know? Yeah. Because the same way in Fallout, you're always staring at your own back and everything. And then when you go into a cutscene, you're like, oh, that's what I look like. I forgot. Exactly. All right. So um, then I watched the movie Mandy. Um, that's a Nicolas Cage film. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say. I've never even heard of it. It's yeah. Just do a Google search real quick for it, and you'll you'll just the cover of it by itself is a little. Uh, that's a lot of effort. It's a little out there, man. <laughs> so and, yeah. the movie is about a couple. Uh, who live in, it's like around 1987 or so. They live in the mountains, and this group of cultists come and, you know, uh, harass them, and through different kinds of murder and torture and all this different stuff, blah, 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 Nicolas Cage ends up on a drug-fueled murder spree revenge trip. <laughs> and it is... The tr- some of the trippiest shit I have seen for a very long time. But because of Nicolas Cage's acting style and him in general, it kind of works. <laughs> and it was a weird... Just Some parts of it are just weird and uncomfortable almost. Um, it's got a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I wouldn't say it's. Looks like it's got a ninety-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I see. The thing is, it's not. Don't go into it thinking you're going to be watching a story. Okay, it's, eighty eighty-one percent on Metacritic. Yeah, it's not a story. It's an experience. Just, just know that because if you go into mm. it expecting a lot of story, you're you're going to be disappointed because you don't get a lot of information. And the information you do get is just fucking weird, you know, and all that. But the experience of actually watching the film itself is pretty awesome. So it's definitely an acquired taste, but give it a shot. Uh, I can say that <clears throat> the uh, no one told me this until I had watched it, and then I realized this is what happens. If you watch the movie... The first half, like literally almost to the second, the first half of the movie is one way. It's one story, one movie, one thing. And then you get a title scene that says Mandy across it. And then the rest of the movie is the other thing, the revenge story. So if you're feeling weirded out, super skeezed and uncomfortable during the first half, either fast forward if you have to. Or just force your way through it. Because the second half is where you're going to get <clears throat> drug-addled Nicolas Cage swinging axes at bad guys' heads. And it's pretty cool. <laughs> if you say so. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. The other thing I've been doing is I uh, I got Destiny 2's Forsaken expansion pack. And I've been playing that. And you sons of bitches killed Cade 6. Pisses me off. It's like the one character I liked out of the whole freaking series. Nathan Fillion voices Cade Six, by the way, which uh, might be, and Cade Six is basically Nathan Fillion. <laughs> I mean, as as Ryan Reynolds is basically Deadpool, Nathan right. Fillion is basically Cade Six. So, I really liked that character a lot, and it pisses me off that they killed him. So. Oh well, it's a fun expansion anyway. 
All right, guys, that's uh, all we got for you for this episode. Uh, we should be going back to our normally scheduled recordings, hopefully, as long as life doesn't get in the way. I don't have any more Florida vacation plans, so that should that should help. Um, so, uh, let's see, I don't, I don't know, I don't have anything for you to do right now, Sean. I, Good, because I, I'm not your trained monkey. <laughs> not your trained fucking monkey, man. <laughs> Um, so I guess, I don't know. Say goodbye, Sean. Goodbye, Sean.